The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Jase, thanks so much for joining us once again, brother. I always love how your position, you have the, the, the best uh, outlook. Give us a look <laughs> with your computer. What have we got here? Uh, mate, this is, let me get the camera. I'm not a great cameraman, but uh, this is Yumundi uh, in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Mount Iwa over there, which is a really sacred mountain for the, the uh, First Nations around here. And then we've got uh, Mount Karoi on the other side, which is, uh, well, look, it, it, it used to be a place that was also very sacred, but now Coca-Cola own it as a water supply and don't allow anyone onto it anymore. So um, that's an interesting advancement. But um, yeah, that's a, it's as I call it Pyramid Mountain. And when we used to go with my son every morning to school, he would, you know, from two to three years of age, it, he'd be like Pyramid Mountain, that Pyramid Mountain. And it was... Uh, it's definitely got a, a certain vibe. I mean, you, can, you can't really see in the detail there, but there's a little perfectly formed pyramid in front of it too. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's the outlook, Pete, and a uh, mm. couple of veggies and some... And uh, I see the cactus back. standing tall. Yeah, got, got, a, got a little bit too much rain recently, so one of them's got a bit of, bit of mould. But uh, it'll, it'll work through. It's, everything's got its challenges. Well, thank you for um, for sharing that. What what does that mean for you? I mean, obviously, you've manifested this reality for yourself to be in that environment. Let's let's have a little ex- exploration about the choices that we make about our environment. I'll just say the way that you um, manage to tap into a particular 
space or a question and, and the relevance of it is um it is magical but um this has been something because i'm originally from melbourne and um i've got a lot of ties to people that are, that are in melbourne and have been observing it going on over the last number of years and i had a call recently from uh, what i would say is you know best mate known for 35 years who um out of the blue just said to me that I have to, you know, get the injection, you know, stop being crazy and do the right thing and get the injection. Uh, that, that was, it wasn't, Hey mate, how are you going? What's going on? It was just that. And it's been interesting. Um, when it came down to what, what was being said is that um, all your buddies are down here suffering and here you are up there running around in the bush and, you know, all, all excited and happy. And, you know, that, that, that you take that to heart a bit, especially like as far as, you know, what, what, what should you be doing in this particular space? Like what, what is the right thing to do? And it's, um, for me, am I meant to feel guilty about the space I've created? Am I meant to feel bad because other people have got a different space? I mean, wh where does that end? You, you see, uh, you know, well-meaning corporations going into third world countries trying to better people's lives and saying, well, they're, they're being paid less than a dollar a day. But before that, they knew nothing of that. They were content and happy and, in, and joyous in their own space. When we start to, you know, put upon our ideals on, upon others, and it's, it's something I've really looked at recently, you know, um, coming out here each day and just feeling the space. But it's, it didn't happen by mistake. And I've noticed a lot of people that happen to be living in Queensland um, that are having that experience where they've got their friends or family that are suffering in another space. But um, I suppose it comes down to, for me, at what, what point do we take responsibility and ownership of our choices? You know, like, is it lucky that I'm living here? Is, is it fortunate that I'm living here? Or is it by, you know, what I would say, 10, 12 years ago, making a decision that I just, for no particular reason, I wasn't happy living in Melbourne. It, it didn't resonate with me anymore. And I saw things that were happening that, that were not a part of my life and, and didn't serve or support me. So I, I made a bit of a lonely and inspired journey to come here. And it wasn't easy. But at the same time, when it wasn't easy and it was challenging for me in my own world, um, there wasn't too many of... Um, my friends that are suffering now knocking on my door and checking in. And it's not that I need that, but, but it's interesting at, at this particular point that how we become, and what I've seen is a lot of anger in people towards people that are doing better or seem to be in a, in a better space. But I'm, I am, um, I, I love, uh, to me, where I live, is essential. It, it, it's before any any other ties. It's um it's the environment I create, and especially having children, the 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 place that I choose to live and the and the choices I made to get here. Um, you know, I live around the Noosa area, and there's a lot of people that travel to this area. And the amount of times that I heard over the years, friends saying, "Oh, we'd love to live up here. We'd really be it'd really be great." And it's like, "Well, we'll do it. Just move." Oh, we can't for all these reasons. But that's the same reasons that everyone else went through that moved as well. And to me, I don't choose to live by the obligations that 
to wake up each morning. I mean, I wouldn't care if I had not a cent in, in my account, and, but if I lived in an environment like this, you know, that, that, that's an essential part that demonstrates to me um, my own relationship with myself, my, my, the love for myself. And, and I, I've always chose I want to live in a place where I'd like to holiday. You know, like I, I want to be on holidays while I'm living. I don't want to be in a place where I'm, I mean, for fact, so, so it's, uh, it's traffic. And not a, not a concept I deal, deal with, and I don't understand why anyone would. But again, it must serve certain people. But it's, um, for me, it, it's freedom of space and movement environment is really critical. So I'm, you know, I'm absolutely, I don't believe I'm lucky. I believe I'm fortunate because I've made choices. Um, it hasn't just happened by uh, some cosmic and divine intervention. It, it's happened because I chose to listen to maybe something cosmic and divine within me to, uh, to move forward. I love when we um, first started to get to know each other, you, you told me the story about the brown snake chasing you down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'd love for you to, to, uh, to talk about that again, because I feel like there's a powerful message in that perhaps, or it's just a great fucking story <laughs> about I, I guess why I'll bring it up is uh, Nick and I, she's from New Zealand and, <laughs> and in New Zealand, apparently I don't get upset if I get this wrong, any Kiwis, but apparently there's no snakes. There's yeah. no, the, there's very few creatures that can eat you and bite you in New Zealand. And, and now we're living in the bush here uh, yeah. with the retreat and, and whatnot. And she nearly stepped on a two meter brown uh, earlier this oh. year. And she was just in a, in a pair of jeans, in a, in a, in a bikini bottoms. <laughs> That's how she usually walks around the farm. I mean, yeah. she was dressed up that day by wearing <laughs> one piece of, uh, one piece of swimwear. Uh, and I think that's the beauty for us in particular. And it's something that I love so much about being, being on the land and having space is we're pretty much naked the whole time mm. as often as we can. And, and it's just, it, it's by default. It's not, oh, I'm going to be naked today. It's just like, we, that's just feels natural yeah. to us. Mm. Um, so tell us about your, your adventure into the wilderness, so to speak, or into the bush and uh, coming from Melbourne and, and being chased by snakes. Uh, yeah. Look, um, I've, I've loved animals and been intrigued by them all, all the time. Growing up, I, I find it, um, I wouldn't say I'm a warrior towards it, but I, I find it interesting at times. I, I don't, I never find myself killing a mosquito unless I'm in, in frustration. You know, and I find the irony that people are smacking and killing mosquitoes and then saving the whales as if there's some sort of difference because of the, the majesty of them. But to me, um, I, I like to have respect for things that are living. And I try to say with mosquitoes, I'm always sort of saying, look, if you don't move, I am going to hit you. And then you find that they move. And I find that they're communicating in that particular way. And, um, with intent, you know, it brings about an outcome. But yeah, I, I lived in a house where I remember one day I was doing some consulting for the Broncos and they, uh, and this call came and said, Oh, hey, hey, what, what's this color? What does it look like? And anyway, there was a, a about an eight, nine foot python that was in our bathroom. 
and the lady that was there called and so we went home and that was all fun and it was sitting just half a meter away from where you had a shower and this four-footed bath and every time you got in its head would just poke up and look at you and then it would just relax back down but you know it was as thick as you know your fist and um and that was all fun and games and you just got used to it and where the trouble came is one day when we came in it wasn't there and then i was like shit where, where is this thing now and then so it, we became very very present and um uh, of what was going on around us and you started to not just walk aimlessly around the home you started to ironically by default appreciate all the little things that have been there for so long it's like when you you know when you first drive into a new space and then you, you notice everything oh there's that shop there there's this it's all great whereas in a short space of time thereafter it's just yeah just going here and i'll get there it's like you've been on like i was saying before it's like being on holidays where everything's just activated it's like yeah well, what are we going to do let's uh let's have some fun and some adventure so i found that a lot with animals but that that particular story you're talking about that was um to me um it was amazing that i mean we used to grow some some you know uh some bush um bush flowers and and all the rest of it and um being naked walking around there one morning at 4 30 carrying two uh what do you call it two 20 liter drums of water about four in the morning pretty warm walking up through the long grass at the back of the uh, property and there was a a big, you know, a couple of water tanks there. And I, you hear rustles and you would know as well, you hear rustling in the grass every time when you're walking through the bush and it's, oh, it could be anything, you know, from a stick falling to a, a tiny little lizard that sounds like a, a goanna, but it's, um, anyway, this time it was something and it, uh, came out and stood in front of me and, you know, shot its head around like a stereotypical Indian cobra. And, um, the only thing I could think of because I was naked was, was getting bitten right on my snake. And I, I thought I didn't want to be threatening to this, uh, to this other thing. So I remember, it's the only thing I could think of and just, you know, the things that go through your mind in, in those moments. But I, I had the, the water things and I slowly, you know, like in my best sort of drawing on martial arts, you know, breathing and just not moving and staying still until I got it just in front of me. And I then dropped these things and, and put it towards it and just sprinted. And anyway, down to the house was, a, you know, a rough sort of grass and gravel and all the rest of it. And the back of the house had a stable door and the top part was luckily open. And down some three or four rock steps, there was three or four just sleeper pillars that were there that I was thinking, I'm going to be at full pout and I have to jump once and like land. I was thinking of, you know, athletics and what popped to my head was you know these things you you read when you're younger that that it's just stuck there is there was this uh children's encyclopedia and it had a little diagram to the side of it and i still remember the top one was you know the fastest animals in the world and it had the cheetah at 96 k's it had uh an impala around 80 and then it had an ostrich around 60 or something and anyway it went down to this you know 100 meter sprinter athlete that was, you know, at 34 Ks. Just above that was a snake at 36. And I wasn't an Olympic athlete. And this thing, so all I could think about these calculations in my head was, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And this thing was, all I could hear behind me was it just hissing and just making noise and just, I didn't want to look back. When something coming is coming at you confidently, you start to really question your own certainty of life. So I, um, I ran and, 
don't know, you know, how it landed right perfectly off the uh, launch pad on the, uh, the sleeper and launched over the, over the, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The stable door. But just inside was a concrete floor and these iron bark steps. And that sort of cut me up and, but I didn't have time to think about that. And all I heard behind me was like, all I can remember was like a hammer hitting the wall and the door. And it was just this snake was just hissing and grunting. And all that was, all that was next to me is up these stairs was a, a, a woomera. And all I remember with that woomera is getting it. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, this thing wanted to come at me. It was that angry and aggressive. But to me, I might have been there waiting for, for 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't, I don't know. But it felt like I was there for two hours just sitting there in, in, in fear of that. But all in, all in the whole space of how alive I felt. But the, um, the interesting thing was is the next day and beyond that, I never saw it again. And I'd actually completely forgot about it until I got to the, the place where I was watering the plants. And then I started to, I started, you know, jumping around thinking, where, where is this thing? And, um, still it was, you know, naked as well. So I hadn't really taken any precautions, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, um, to me that, that, that's something that I've, I remember speaking to people about and they're saying, Oh, how can you live that? That's crazy. And you know, why? And, but to me, that's, that that's the beauty of exploring, and I and that to me is what what really resonates with me. I remember as a kid, just you know, having a moment where I was quite deflated when I looked and they, and they, and the whole world map. I had that moment; the whole world map had been discovered, and I was like, "Oh, what is there to do?" And it um, so to me, always like looking to adventure, to ask questions, and to explore. You know, it's been a, a really really big thing, but um. We, we've had, and I think I've told you here, we've had, you know, another snake that was just here the other day. And we, we've got so used to it now that my partner said, um, oh, there's a snake. Whereas probably a month beforehand, she would have been running for the hills and, you know, like the, you know, standing on top of the chair screaming. But yeah, she's like, there's a snake. Oh, there it is over there. It's moving that way. Okay, no worries. All right, let's go and get, get inside. And it, it's just part of the environment. And I think we've forgotten that. Mm. Funny story. <laughs> if you ever make a movie about your life, that's you make sure they put that bit in. <laughs> the snake chasing the snake down the hill. <laughs> and I like that bit about the about whatever uh, check, checking you out, not to intimidate it. Funny. But one of the things that you mentioned there, which um, I mean, there's so many different paths we can go, but standing up. I mean, you made the 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 um, explanation of the snake standing up like the uh, uh the indian cobra and that's what we wanted to talk about today was and you mentioned at the start of the conversation over the last two years you've questioned yourself as well what are we meant to be doing in this in this situation are we meant to be fleeing to the bush and and setting up communities and becoming self-sustainable and living our lives like um a wonderful book I read many, many years ago, written in the 40s or 50s, I think it was, by an Austrian author uh, called The Wall, about this woman that um, lives by herself. I think she's the last human inhabitant on the planet and uh, just lives a very simple existence uh, on her farm. And I recommend everybody to read that book. Um, or are we meant to be activists now, shouting from the rooftops? 
I mean, where we're at now, it's uh, late October. Um, having a chat with my daughters that are teenagers, they, they've mentioned that pretty much all of their friends have been double jabbed or had the first first vaccine. Um, and we're talking 15, 16-year-old kids here. And it seems that in Australia, they're up to 70, 80% of people that they had that have taken a, a experimental poison. So what at what point does shouting or screaming make no difference anymore? And going back to your original thought about how do you live your life? So let's talk about standing up and what that means for for you and for individuals or communities and, and what's happening in the world. Mm, um, it's a good question that the shouting or screaming, um, to me, I, I think anything that you do for an intended outcome can become very much dissolved in its power. Um, and, but to, uh, I look at it in this way, to, I've got a definition that the consciousness <clears throat> is all to do with the speed of action the speed at which you act upon your awareness. And we, we can look at it in our lives that when we have an awareness and we don't act, we, we go into waiting and waiting for the time is right, like waiting for, well, well it's not right, I'll, I'll wait till this particular point. And waiting very much is dependent upon something else, not me. And for me, I look at waiting, it always leads you towards must and should. And the longer that you take to act upon your awareness, the more must and should that you have in your life. And when we act upon our awareness, there's, there's a thought, oh, what if I get it wrong? But the thing is at that particular point when you have the opportunity to act, all of you is alive and activated. It's as if every member of the team is ready to go. The longer you take to act, people start, oh, what are we doing? Like, are we... And, Slowly, little bit by little bit, they, they drop off. And the only one that's left is the resilient person. Who's, I'm not going to, I'm not saying no to this. And they're in that must and should and have to because they're always in opposition to what, to what is going on. Now, if we keep acting from our awareness, we have to stay active. We have to stay aware. We don't know where we're going, don't know what's next, but we're constantly alive. And that, that can be anxious and that can be overwhelming it can even be traumatic for some to begin with only because it's different so if we're screaming and shouting in that space and that becomes our native natural stream what we condition ourselves to do then then we start to live in, in a very empowered way because it, it's a simple rule i'm acting on my awareness and eventually we learn to to excuse me to overcome the ideas of, but, but what about what people think? Yeah, well, for sure, if I continue down this vein of acting on my awareness, eventually I become good at that. Eventually that just becomes my habit rather than most of my life thinking of whether I should or I shouldn't, if I need to or if I don't. And these are all the machinations of our, of our thinking in the waiting space. To, to me, patience is a very different thing to waiting, which allows you to, you know, to be patient is you know what you're doing you're allowing that to blossom and you're allowing it to come to you. There is no expectation or demand on what's supposed to be happening like in the world around us at the moment. So for me, part of standing up is really that there's a lot of talk of, you know, well-schooled or well-educated or well-exampled individuals talking about that they're not fearful. 
to me, that that's a, that's one of the greatest deceits that I, I think I'll hear coming from anyone's mouth because we're all we all have fear. We all have the experience of fear. It's what we do with it, and it's whether we allow us to to embrace and listen to our fears as a real keen sense of awareness that we've become absent to because there is everything is conspiring to support you even those things of fear when we can recognize that fear is coming up to recognize so it's well well what am i going to do with food all right well i can sit here and worry about it. i can go oh well actually i, I don't know what i'm doing with food so i'm going to take some action on that and i'm going to get some stores i'm going to dig a hole in the ground and put it put a big thing in i'm going to do a bit of research on that and you know what fear dissolves because you move into the unknown to stay in fear and be talking three or four weeks later, if I don't know what I'm going to do with food and what's going to happen, that, that, that becomes a condition of our own disempowerment, which eventually becomes turned upon your oppressor and ultimately giving them power, what they're doing to me. And ultimately, as you give them attention, you continue to elevate. So when, when we can you know, embrace and embody our fear and allow it to move through us like any other information is just simply that second and third stop, the, the, the safety net that's there to go, Oh, there's something I've missed. If there's something I'm fearful, to be able to be, be strong and stand up and accept, well, this is really scaring the shit out of me. Well, it, it's something that I've not allowed myself to express or act into. For some reason, of my partner won't like it, my, my, my friends won't agree with me, or it's not the right time, or I don't have the money for it, or whatever other reason. And I, I remember years ago, I spoke to some people might know him, uh, a guy, Bob Proctor, and I was um, about 18, 19, and I was at the, you know, considering to invest, you know, all my uh, money into this course that he was talking about. And it was about six grand, and this is about 30 something years ago. So it was a big investment. And um, I remember speaking to him about it, and he said, Well, I said, I'm not sure if I've got the cash. He goes, Well, have you made the decision? I said, No, I haven't got the cash. I'm not sure I've got the cash. He goes, It doesn't matter. Until you make the decision, you won't have the money. And I was like, yeah, no, no, but you don't get it. Like, I'll show you my bank. And he goes, no, you're not hearing me. And that particular, you know, scenario, it took me a while to grasp it, but it's, it's led me to the understanding that there's no greater force than the decision that's been made. And because once that decision's made, you know, the money comes the path ahead of us comes, but without expecting where it's meant to be and where it's meant to go. Because as soon as we start thinking that I'm doing this for freedom or I'm doing this for to create this or to save them or whatever it may be, there's a tendency that we have to get caught up in the outcome, which then dissolves our capacity for choice. So our ability to, um, for, for me anyway, standing up is not, for any particular reason, except for our own self and our own truth at any particular time until that becomes a habit. And then that habit starts to intersect with a whole range of different movements that we either contribute to or we don't contribute to. And I'm sure you would have experienced it before expectations of other people of what you should be doing and how you should be standing up and what you should represent because this is what we expect of you. And that's, um, that's, that's a part, I, I believe, that all of us at the moment um, you know, embracing the, the darkness or the unknown, it's something I'm really big on. And to have the humility to, to first accept that, that I am in fear, there's, a, there's a, something you're doing with a, a, a political candidate friend of mine and a guy you know as well, um, who's, you know, getting 
three to 500 phone calls a week of people that are just in desperate need of how to live their life or what decisions they need to make. And these are people that want to make choices for themselves, but it's become so absent that, you know, for all of us is to actually make decisions for ourselves because there's been this entrustment of other people making those decisions. So, you know, one of the things we're, you know, going to offer into that space is just how to actually move into and through your fear rather than denying it. Because as you deny it, it's just going to get bigger to be, become more significant and eventually you're going to be shaped by it. And, and that's the sad thing that's happening at the moment is people are, uh, are not agreeing with certain agendas, but they find themselves just in opposition to it rather than asking the question of, well, well, how would I do that? And what would that look like? And becoming just enthralled and engaged in life by, by living it. Mm, really interesting when you're talking about fear. I think last time I spoke to you, I said I was, um, I was, the intuition came to do ceremonial work again. And, um, and I, I think I might have said, I was saying, oh, fuck, like, <laughs> really? <laughs> again? <laughs> I'm going to go into that space again. That is, that is the unknown that, that is completely challenging on so many levels. And just recently I did sit in ceremony and I remember sitting in ceremony and, and crying before going deep. And the tears were fear and love. It, it, it was both at the same time. It was fear of the unknown, stepping into the uncertainty, but it was the love of myself for doing it. It was this really strange, beautiful experience that was that was the paradox happening at the same time. I was like, oh, oh yeah, the ceremony has started, <laughs> you know, before whatever was about to to manifest because it was already manifesting. I was already in in that space of the experience, the paradox. So, would you say though, I was going to say, is it possible that those two were coming up in that space to show there is no... I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.